in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the closer, Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> Glenn and I were just talking about the uh, brilliant monologue in the movie Glen Gary, Glen Ross, where Alec Baldwin uh, gives a motivational speech to uh, the salesman in the room about closing the deal and uh, use, uses some. some uh, Inspirational methods to get the best out of the the closing team. Yeah, he does. Taking away their coffee. Coffee's for closers, Brian. Um, talking about his Cadillac, his, his big watch. Yeah. you know. How much is your house? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you haven't seen that, you should go check it out. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a great film. Uh, the best part is the, the, the opening monologue to it. That's right. Um, I didn't know that was the opening monologue. I've only oh, seen not, that it's clip. It's not really the opening monologue. It's 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 just like you know, five minutes into the film. It, I think it's one of the only movies I've ever seen where ten minutes into the film you see the the ultimate part of the film. <laughs> That's all you need. The most amazing part of the film, and it it sustains the whole film. I mean, the film as a as a whole is great, but that first in the first ten minutes you see the best part of the film, and it's worth it. To, to watch the entire thing because of the first 10 minutes. So it's like being on a, a roller coaster with a really big hill at the yep. beginning and then everything and it's like, else. Well, is, it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. We're but, going kind of fast, yeah. but that big hill was awesome. Uh, so anyway, yeah. but uh, speaking of uh, best things that you get out of the first 10 minutes of something, uh, Glenn and I are co-founders of a site called gentleman.com. <laughs> uh, I guarantee you uh, the first 10 minutes that you spend at gentleman.com will be the best 10 minutes. And then after that, it will... Slightly level off, mm-hmm. but uh, in order to get to the big, uh, the big uh, finish, the big finish, you got to spend at least a hundred hours going through <laughs> all the stuff on gentleman.com and clicking things. If you do that, I promise mm. you, you will, uh, you, you'll have lots of peaks and valleys. Yep, your eyes will um, be bleeding. Your eyes will be bleeding, and uh, you will want to shut your computer off and never be on the internet. Again. That's right. For those few shining moments, those those peaks in the roller coaster mm. that you're going to find on gentleman.com, it'll all be worth it, and you can take that to the bank. Um, and if you are in one of those valleys on gentleman.com, a good thing to do would be to take a break, do a stretch, mm-hmm. walk around a little bit, and while you're walking around, listen to a podcast from podcast.gentleman.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you will find... Uh, previous episodes that you can listen to. You can find some of the previous beers we rated. You can go through the links that are related to this episode that we're going to talk about. So if we're talking about something and you're like, man, I've got to know what that mug looked like. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what that juicer looks like. I'm mm-hmm. teasing the rest of the episode. Ooh. Juicers and mugs, guys. This is coming up. This is all coming up. I can, t- I can smell your enthusiasm through the microphone here. Uh, you can do that on podcast.gentleman.com. And even more than that, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want us to stop talking about stuff that you don't care about, yeah, and you want to like throw something in and be like, guys, come on, let's start talking about something I want to talk about, mm-hmm. you can do that. Yep. You have the power. That's you right. have the power of Grayskull, 
is within you <laughs> to send a letter to the Gentleman Podcast at P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. We will get your letter. We will read it. We will pontificate on it. Hmm. We will answer your questions. We will take your criticism to heart. We will talk about whatever you want to talk about. You have the power. You, you you could send us a you know compliment to you. Well, are you that's just not assuming the the, the worst here? This isn't a pie in the sky <laughs> podcast, Glenn. Come on, that's we're true. realists here. That's Let's right. Be real. Let's we be know real. you're not happy. Exactly. We know. That's we can right. smell the discontent. Exactly. So uh, anyway, you can do that by sending us a letter at PO Box four four two three zero five Lawrence Kansas six six zero four four. Alternatively, if you're feeling lazy and weak. You can mm-hmm. send us an email, howdyatgentleman.com, and you'll get the same result. We will talk about your, your question, your comment, your criticism. We will put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And we will talk about it on Gentleman Podcast, and you might get a little something back in return. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Glenn, without further ado, let's launch into the meat of the episode, which is drink of the week far and away the best part of the episode so you can listen to this and then turn it off i just wanted to get through that quickly so i could get to this drink i know (laughs) drink of the week yeah okay so this week um so little tangent here last uh saturday i went and toured the local brewery in kansas city boulevard they have a uh it's a pretty big it's a pretty big brewery i think it uh local slash global right exactly it goes to it's international and it's also you know uh, across all the states, mm-hmm. I think most of them. So, odds are except Puerto Rico. Except yes, Puerto Rico, probably not Guam, mm-hmm. uh, but everywhere else you might be able to buy right. uh, Boulevard. Well, guess what? We're not talking about Boulevard today. But it got you. It got I the tried. gears turning. That's right. It got my gears turning, and I really wanted to. Um, <clears throat> I really wanted to to pick up a kind of lighter lager mm-hmm. or a, a lighter ale, something along that nature. And uh, Sierra Nevada makes a Summerfest, and it's they make a crisp lager, excuse me, called Summerfest. And I figured we should probably put that through the paces, Brian. Put it through the old gentleman mustache twist scale. I'm I'm on board with that. And I just see what that. see what happens, see what shakes out. Um, and so let me let me tell you a little bit about the Summerfest. Okay. It's a crisp summertime lager. Um, it's a Pilsner style beer Pilsner style beer. Uh, and it's uh, Got a nod toward the original Czech tradition, okay. you know, bohemian. If All you good will. things. Yep, uh, supposed to be crisp, golden dry, and incredibly drinkable. Which is what we. I don't know about you, Brian. That that sounds like music to my ears. Yeah, bohemian rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, Freddie Mercury would be singing about this beer right now. Is this the summer fest? <laughs> um, I was gonna come in with a quippy remark on their the history of their brewing company but their website is doing this funny thing where they they give you one sentence about the brewery and (laughs) put it in front of a picture a large picture and then you scroll and scroll and scroll and you don't learn a damn thing about their brewery so you know what i don't care the last part it said brewing in the east coast I don't. I'm so scrolled back now. Which is weird because Sierra Nevada, I think, is a Cal- yeah California. Yeah. Oh no, South hang on. Chico, California, and Mills River, North Carolina. Mills River announced plans to build a second. Okay, so they announced plans to build a secondary brewery in Mills River, North Carolina. I think their website's outdated. Okay. The so, bottle because the bottle says it's brewed in. That was 2013. <laughs> oh, there you go. So that's what you that that's all you need to know about Sierra Nevada. 
I will say, I mean, I, I like the website, and, you know, it's yep. got a nice stylistic mm-hmm. thing going on, but, man, when you can't read things... Yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway. Doesn't matter. Let's get a little... Let's get into the alcohol content. It's 5%. Okay. Like the that. The IBUs, or the bitterness units, are 28. So, all right. Good. Within our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeast is lager yeast. Okay. The bittering hops are pearl, mm, obviously. Pearl bittering hops, yeah. And the finishing hops are the Saz de Spalter Select. Yeah, the old Spalter Select. Now, That's kind of old hat to me. I mean, I yeah. I don't know how many times we've had a Spalter Select finishing hop well, beer. Well, yeah. It'll be, yeah, old hat. But um, but actually, there is one thing, in all honesty, that I do like about this this page, is that when it gets to the food pairing, oftentimes in these beer, beer websites, they'll say... Oh, pair this with a Munster cheese and a and a braised lamb and a squirrel nut salad and a sea bass <laughs> sea sauce <laughs> hollandaise. <with>, yes, <laughs> this one is pretty awesome. It just says cuis- uh, food pairing: grilled chicken, sushi, salads, <laughs> lightly spiced sausages. <laughs> okay, well that's right. yeah, that's doable for me as layman. You yeah, know, I can come hey. up with grilled chicken. I can come up with sushi. Yep. Um, salad. I could come up with a salad. These are all things you can buy from the store. I can get a hot dog. Yep. So lightly all, all things, <laughs> all things I can do. This is your every. This is your yeoman, yeoman style beer. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's good. All right. So anyway, Glenn, let's uh, let's pop these suckers open and see what happens next. I had the opener. Ah, there it is. Here, I'll I'll get you uh, one of a. Uh, Thank California's you. finest here. Or Mills Creek. Or Mills oh, Creek. Or North Carolina. Or South Carolina, I mean. I don't North I don't Carolina. Alright. Cheers, Cheers, Brad. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I took a big drink of that. It's good, though. <laughs> it is. Multi. Sometimes you take a big drink, it's a big commitment. Because you could... <laughs> If it was like it hibiscus goes oh. or the Iron Maiden beer, so you had a little, I would be spitting back an Iron Maiden you had out of my mouth. T- tinge of fear as you took that accidental big gulp. I think it was confidence. You know, I, I was confidence in this beer, mm. um, and it is a crisp lager. It is. I kind of wish I left this in the fridge longer before we. <sighs> this is like a beer that you can't get it too cold. Mm, it's yeah, good. It's good. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, so mm. what would you if you had to give a rating to mm. this beer? Let's just say you had to rate this beer. Uh, before we chalk this up to the mustache twist scale computer, if you had to ascribe a rating to this beer, what would you what would you put on it? Well, it's very smooth, right? Yeah, it's I very like smooth. I like that. But it doesn't just you know, uh, it's just not like a. It doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. It actually has some complexity to it. Yeah. Um, so it's got some stuff, interesting stuff going on. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like the the, the marriage of the two, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, yada yada yada. I'm gonna give it an 86. Duh. Really? Wow. For the fr- I, I don't know if this has happened. We've before. never done that. We we're, what night? We're 80. We're 90 episodes in. This is 89. 89. We're 89 episodes. Like, uh, this is the first time. I, I I have an identical. I was gonna 86 was my rating. I was gonna. I almost went 87. Yeah. But I felt that would have. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I think, I think it's yeah. I think this is a very good for this kind of, kind of beer, and it's summertime. It's getting a little bit warmer out now. Nice and refreshing. Crisp. Right. What was the price on this one? Uh, it was eight ninety nine. Ooh, sorry, we should have factored that in. That's all right. I feel like that's yeah. It, it's not much beyond what the normal eight 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 forty nine is. What we say is kind of the median price mm-hmm. on this stuff so. in the Midwest here. 
let us okay. So let's let's put this. You know, our ratings don't matter. We're just two guys. We're just two guys on a couch. But I'll tell you what does matter, mm-hmm. and that is the mustache twist scale computer, which we will input the ingredients and the price and these other points into the computer right now. Yep. And that will give us an empirical, scientific, algorithmic, machine learning, yep. uh, AI rating on this beard. Look, it's not that we're Elon Musk, right? Right. We're not. We didn't make Tesla. Right. We but didn't we kind of made Google. We kind of made the Tesla for beer, right? right? Right. I don't want to compare ourselves no. to like you know Steve Jobs or right. Larry Page, mm-hmm. but um, we basically mm-hmm. did what they did, except for beer ratings. For beer. Someday uh, we'll have our come up in Brian. What we're trying to say is you're welcome. Yep, you're welcome, world. Um, anyway, Glenn. All right, let's let's take advantage of this uh, MTS computer to output this rating and let's get this thing done. Okay. So we said the price was eight ninety nine. Yes. Uh, the alcohol by volume was five point zero percent. The beginning gravity was twelve point two degrees Play-Doh. Yes. The ending gravity was two point eight degrees Play-Doh, which mm. is a little bit unconventional, but okay. Well, it's Czech style. Um, bitterness units twenty eight. Yeast was the lager yeast. The bittering hops were the pearl, and the finishing hops were the saz and the spalter select. Right. Okay. Spalter. Pretty yeah. standard. Yeah. You know, we've we've been there, done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, we'll just give it a couple minutes here, and we shall have an empirical scientific rating for the Sierra Nevada Summerfest Crisp Lager. Okay. Oh, okay. Finishing up off the printer right now. Uh, let me let me grab this thing and get a hold of it. We said I think last week we said we went to page eighty six for the report. It was eighty six? We have to get through all the the first Preamble. page. Yeah. Okay. So the pages, the tables. Um. Okay. It's eighty. Sorry, stuck on page sixty here. Uh, eighty. Okay. There we go. Page eighty. Eighty. Did you bind this? You bound it. It comes out. It's a professional. Oh, uh, laminated. Grade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so page eighty-six. It says the uh, the actual empirical rating. <laughs> this is uh, this is unheard of. Another first. Another first. But the actual rating from the MTS computer is an eight point six. Unprecedented, Brian. Eight point six. It's a uh, universal. <laughs> it's a hat trick. I'm feeling of good. A rating. It is. So, uh, but to, just to complete this, uh, eight point six is. I mean, everybody, we've had you, me, and the MTS computer agreed, but what do the snobs say about it? What do the beer snobs yeah, let, say about this beer? Right, line? Ryan, let's go over to beersnob.com. Let's just see. Okay, okay. The uh, beer snobs give the Sierra Nevada Summerfest Lager an 83. Hmm. They shortchanged them. And we know for a fact, empirically, that they're wrong. <sighs> this is not the kind of beer that snobs go for. This is the kind of beer that every man enjoy. That's right. Uh, and MTS computers. It, 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 everybody. Right. Artificial Machines. intelligence and human beings. Elon it's Musk, a synergy. Tesla. Of, it's like the Terminator drinking a beer. <laughs> I'll be back for another. Another. <laughs> Pilsner. So, uh, this is a Czech style Pilsner, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. While I'm drinking this, I'm thinking, you know what would be really good with this Czech-style Pilsner? What? Czech's mix. And I'm not kidding. 
It's a crazy plan of words, Brian. Mm. Checks mix. Checks mix. Well, I'm sorry, I don't have any checks mix readily available. Well, so I've. You couldn't have known. It's not on okay, you. I, that's I not on you. I didn't know that there was going to be a play on words like that in this episode. No, well, I tried to prepare for everything. Man, and a bunch of firsts. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, Glenn. Let's get to uh, some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. And uh, first up, our good friend, Old Reliable, as I like to call him. Old Reliable. Ben Espen leads mm. us off here with the leading hit. And it is, uh, this is called 70s High School Art Project Mistakenly Valued at $50,000 on Antique Roadshow. And uh, this is from uh, NPR, which we all know and love. And uh, basically, somebody showed up on Antique's Roadshow with their weird-looking jug uh, that they had bought for 300 bucks at an estate sale in Oregon, which makes me a little bit... Who would buy a mug for three hundred dollars at an estate sale? I mean, I, usually you'd pay like five bucks or three bucks for. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. I'm looking at this thing, and you got to pay me to take it home. Yeah. it is creepy. You got to check out podcast.gentleman.com because I'll, I'll link it up. But it looks weird as hell. <laughs> and somebody spent three hundred dollars on it, and so they brought it to this antiques roadshow. And this is what the expert had to say. Mm. Okay, it's bizarre and wonderful. You even see a little bit of like Pablo Picasso going on there. It's a little difficult to identify precisely when this was made, but I think it's probably late 19th or 20th century. Probably its origin, it's the coast of the United States, maybe the middle of Atlantic states, headed southward. Estimating its value is a little bit difficult. I think in a retail setting, somebody might well ask in the area between 30000 and 50000 for this. USD, not uh, yen. To which the owner was astonished and said, what? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, and it turns out that actually that was a very astute reaction because this jug <laughs> was not, in fact, a 100-year-old artifact, but the work of a creative high school student from 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, the, uh, the, ju- the jug was made by Betsy Soul, who created the jug verified that it was in fact her handiwork from her high school days in Oregon and uh, when confronted with this the appraiser uh, on Antiques Roadshow recognized his mistake he said uh, this mysterious piece was reco- was reportedly found at a state sale covered with dust as far as age is concerned I was fooled as were some of my colleagues. Right, right, right. He wasn't alone there. Look, the techniques of making pottery in many ways haven't changed for centuries. <laughs> Obviously, I was mistaken as to its age at, you know, by 60 or 80 years. I feel the value at auction, based on the quality and artistic merit, is somewhere in the three to $5,000 range. Still not bad for a high school in Oregon. Man, not only did he backtrack quite a bit, mm-hmm. he still stuck to his guns and said three to $5,000. Man, we are... <laughs> the uh, police are coming for me and Glenn. Uh, I guess we're going to have to end the podcast because... Brian, uh, I'm enacting ghost protocol. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's three, three to $5,000. Uh, you know, and they asked the person that created this, uh, and she said even $300 was too much to pay for the piece. And she said if it had been in her hands, she would have just given it to the guy that bought it. Man, this is great. Uh, this is great because, they, you know, the Antiques Roadshow has always perplexed me on stuff like this. Because I understand guitars. 
They're, you know, you can verify the authenticity of them. You can have a general concept of what something like that's worth based on what people are paying for it. All stuff. These random works of art and stuff like that. Like, how can you sit there and say, well, this is between thirty and $50,000? Yeah. It's totally subjective. Right. I mean, that's, you know, Picassos weren't didn't sell for that much money until you right. know, way later. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're the same paintings, you know. Right. Yeah. It's uh, the subjectiveness of it all is just my You and I need to get into some jug creating. Yeah, apparently. we do. We just need to even uh, better synthesize this style. Let's yeah. commission some high schoolers. Mm. Look, we have high schools in Lawrence. Look, here's twenty bucks, kid. Right, I'll give you twenty bucks for that for that creepy head, and it'll be jug. worth three thousand dollars. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it, they actually talked to the guy that <laughs> he got his valuation down from thirty thousand to three thousand from his three hundred dollar purchase. And he said he was actually excited about that because as soon as it was valued at $30,000, he hid it away and packaged it up because he didn't want anything to happen to it. But once he found out it was basically worthless, he brought it out again and he's like, it's great. I love it. It's on display at my house and, you know, I can actually like have it out now because it's not, I'm not worried about it. You yeah. Know? So, now I don't have to retire. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway. Silver lining. Yeah. That guy. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Well, well done, Ben Espen. Uh, next up, we have a post by Razorback, uh, the effervescent. Yes, Razorback. And this one, this one's great. This is a follow up. It's a follow up of a follow up, even. Mm. So Razorback first first reported on this. This is like breaking news. It was two months ago. We interrupt this general this podcast said. for the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we we were interrupted on a couple episodes ago. Maybe it's like five or six. Yeah. Um, Razorback posted something about how uh, there's a school in Arkansas. For the deaf, Arkansas School for the Deaf, and there they are the Deaf Leopards, D E A F, and somebody started a petition to get the actual band Deaf Leopards to come and take a picture at the school, mm-hmm. and then so that was pretty awesome. Then another post said, you know, Deaf Leopard has reached out and said they're going to do it, and then another post. This is the third in the series of posts. Okay, Razorback reports. Yeah. Uh, via the website Arkansas Online, that Def Leppard will, in fact, meet the Def Leppards. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did. Uh, and, but, but it wasn't quite the same. Originally, they wanted Def Leppard, the band, to travel to the actual school. The actual school in Arkansas. Right. They didn't, due to timing and everything, logistics, they couldn't make it happen, but they met with students at the arena they from- gave them a special VIP package yes and got yeah. a, brought them to the arena they they even made a replica of the sign to take a, a picture with the kids and everything yeah um, and so they they got to go to the concert and then they got to take a picture with the band if you go back to the tack um, I have uh, some some jerkwad named Glenn has oh he posted got a added picture. a comment of uh, posted a picture that they the actual picture with the the school of death so I guess it only took uh, I think five people, so okay. four or five kids, so pretty cool. Yeah, um, and they made a replica of the scoreboard. I was looking at this picture and I was like, "Man, that scoreboard is really small." Mm-hmm. There's no way this is their actual. I mean, yeah, it was a just a replica. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah, the the actual school has been around since 1944, which predates the band by 33 years or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, pretty cool. It's cool that they took the time to. You know, to meet the students and the the people at their school, uh, not only the students but the people that made it happen that got the petitions mm-hmm. started and everything like that are just ecstatic about it because it's been a lot of publicity. I mean, they got the general podcast to talk about it, right. so we know that times. you know we you know millions of people have heard about it at least. So um, so that's awesome. 
Uh, but cheers to uh, Def Leppard and the Def Leppard School for uh, working together to make a little bit of internet magic happen. Brian, I'm going to throw a curveball into the story. Mm. Okay? okay? I'm going to take a little turn for the dark here. Okay. What if... So you said this school predates Def Leppard, the yes. band, right? Mm-hmm. See where I'm going with this? No. Do you think it's possible that Def Leppard stole their name <laughs> from the Def Leppards? Most most people agree that it is more likely that Def Leppard stole their name uh, from Led Zeppelin. Okay. Because there's a, a lot of notable uh, similarities between their two two names, even though that they're about completely different things. But Led Zeppelin, Led three three letters, Def Def Leppard, Leopard. You know, so it mm. sounds very similar. So a lot of people say that Def Leppard actually took that name from trying to uh, t- a take on the name Led Zeppelin. So I would say that's probably not that's probably not logical. So so if I'm following you here, what you're saying is that Led Zeppelin right stole this name. Yes. And gave it to Def Leppard the band. I would say so. I would say Led Zeppelin looked at the Def Leppards and they said, "Okay, what sounds like Def Leppard's Led Zeppelin?" And mm-hmm. then Def Leppard the band said, "What sounds like Led Zeppelin Def Leppard?" Hence we have Def Leppard uh, and the band ACDC, obviously. And who suffers? The kids. Yeah. It's all a big copyright infringement, basically. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to trial. Sure, soon. sure. Roll me with you guys. Just yeah. sign this form here. Exactly. Uh. Um, anyway, Glenn. <laughs> uh, so, great to find out what actually happened with that. Um, I'm, I'm glad to know that that actually went down. Um, and too bad that they couldn't visit the school, but totally understandable that they, they had to just do a meet and greet kind of thing. Cause, yeah, I think it's quite, I think they played in Little Rock. I think the man was playing in Little yeah. Rock. And I think the School of Death is a considerable ways ways away yeah. yeah that would have been a kind of a difficult charge to make but mm-hmm. um anyway okay uh well mm. rounding out the interesting post gentleman.com from the last couple of weeks or so uh we have a post by our good friend that is always it's like the mount rushmore has got to have this guy on it of gentleman.com mm-hmm. uh, zombie cat bacon always posting great stuff to the site that we really really appreciate uh and this tack is exactly the same it's like constant high level stuff uh, and this is this is called ACDC, the Epic Inside Story of Back in Black, by Brian Johnson. Uh, and this, <laughs> and it is epic. It's epic. It's really long, and it's going to be hard to distill the story down into just a few lines. You know, um, to talk about it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna link this up on, on podcast.gentleman.com, and I seriously uh, encourage everybody to go read this story because it's a great story. The whole thing is just a, a really good inside story of. What happened behind the scenes to, when Brian Johnson took over for Bon Scott to lead the band ACDC? And what happened was ACDC was this young band in the mid 70s, and they were kind of slowly getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time 1980 turned around, they were still kind of, you know, they're right on the edge. They're right on the edge of being really successful, but they, they still weren't really a household name like they are now. They weren't selling out arenas. They um, didn't have a massive CD. Or no. CD in fact, vinyl. they had just finished Highway to Hell, which was critically acclaimed, but they were in debt because of it because it was very expensive to make. Um, so they were just kind of like, they didn't know what to do. Uh, and right at that moment, unfortunately, their lead singer, Bon Scott, passed away. Um, uh, he's 32 years old. And, or 33 years old. He was 33 when he passed mm-hmm. away, I think. Three, yeah, somewhere right there. And uh, anyway, he, he passed away and it left the band not knowing what to do. They kind of regrouped. Uh, they didn't know if they were going to move forward or not. And they finally talked to Bon Scott's parents. And Bon Scott's dad actually pulled them aside and said, 
you guys need to go on. You know, my son would want you to go on. My son would want you to go find somebody else to continue. So that gave them the, the kind of resolve they needed to move forward. So the next question was, how are we going to find the right guy to lead this band? Uh, anyway, Brian Johnson, meanwhile, while this was all going on, was uh, he was he had just been divorced. His, his wife just left him. He had two kids. Um, he was a loser. He had been in a rock band that was somewhat successful. It was like a glam rock band that was somewhat successful, and they got a record deal. But they had like one top 20. Yeah, hit. but then they, he lost the record deal. And yeah. So he was like, he started a, he used everything he had to start a business where he was replacing windshields and tops of cars. Yeah. And Which he actually really liked doing. He, he loved it, but it was like barely paying the bills. Um, you know, he, so he didn't know what he was going to do. All of a sudden, one day, he gets a call from ACDC's management because apparently, Bon Scott had seen him play and suggested to ACDC's band that if you know something ever happens to me, like you got to hire this guy to come sing because he's awesome. Yeah, because he did he did covers of ACDC. Right, right? He, he covered a song called "Whole Lot of Rosie," and yeah. that was like the one cover song that they did. And Bon Scott happened to be in the audience one night and see it and uh, <laughs> loved it. And uh, so anyway, he talked to ACDC about him, and then somebody else randomly had suggested him because he had done something else that one of their managers or something had... Yeah, it was a loose connection in management. Yeah, but they had heard of him before, so there's two people that had heard of him, so ACDC was thinking this guy might be the guy that we need to get. They convinced him to come to London for a audition, and uh, he shows up there, and he's still so apprehensive about it. He just doesn't know if he wants to go do it. He's sitting in a cafe. Literally, he got a, a coffee and a slice of pie or something. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there just mulling over, going across the street to go audition for the band. And he doesn't want to do it, doesn't want to do it. Finally, he takes his fork to the crust of a pie. And it's, like, too hard for him to break with the fork. And it just sets him off. And he's just like, damn it, this pie sucks. I'm going to go across the street and I'm going to go audition. I'm doing for it. it. I'm doing it. I'm going to audition for ACDC. I'm, I'm done. Uh, anyway, my favorite, my favorite quote from the story is that... Um, as soon as he walked across the street to go, he walks in the studio and he says, as soon as I walked in, I just got, I just felt comfortable. Malcolm came over to me and he said, there you go, mate. And he gave me a bottle of brown ale. He said, you must be thirsty. <laughs> and I went, you know what? I could just kill this right now. And I did. Boy, did I. <laughs> this is an awesome quote. But the whole thing is great because it just, the, Brian Johnson comes out as the most down-to-earth rock star. He said he was like, he had no money. He was broke. He couldn't believe it was going to be happening. Even if he was telling his friends and his family that he was going to be the, the singer of ACDC, they didn't believe him. You know, it was just a crazy thing because he was just like working on like a mechanic one day, and then the next day he's the lead singer of ACDC. Right. Ends up he he does lead vocals on Back in Black, which not only uh, eclipses their previous releases, but makes them world famous rock stars. Yes. Uh, and they actually they had done a lot of the recording for the songs and stuff but they had no lyrics for anything <laughs> yeah. so within a matter of a couple weeks he wrote out all the lyrics himself first time and knocked it out of the park and it was a lot like the, the music and the lyrics were really a lot about the death of Bon Scott yeah. and 
a lot of that stuff and uh and just things like and they were they were finishing the album in jamaica or the bahamas bahamas yeah Nassau. and there was a hurricane mm-hmm. and then that's where some of the the lyrics come from for, for hell's some, bells for hell's bells yeah. and uh, it's a great story and so you should check the whole story out it's a very long read but it was I, I found myself laughing the whole time just because it was so down to earth and awesome yeah it's not like something that you feel like you have to read you just keep reading it because you can't stop reading the the thing that i one of the things i loved about Brian Johnson telling the story is is when they're when they're in the recording studio like they basically just go straight to the recording studio and he has no time he's still it's still like really new to him he can't figure out what he's doing doesn't really know his place and they're like hey what do you say you write some lyrics yeah <laughs> and he's like I mean I I guess I can try right and he wrote he wrote High, uh, Hell's Bells he wrote Back in Black mm-hmm. and he wrote Shook Me All Night Long like the most of their biggest hits yeah. of all time, right? He wrote like the first week on the job, right? <laughs> I guess sometimes you just got to be faced with a huge challenge and just get after it. He had a fresh take on it, I guess. But is another thing, Brian? Is there anything better than watching Angus Young prance around the stage? Yeah, he's... That, it kills me. It absolutely slays me watching him, especially in the later years. I mean, it's just yeah. And he says uh, he says that he couldn't have done it with any other band. Basically, he said, you know that there's something about working with these guys. And I love the fact that Malcolm Young came in and just gave him a beer and like, you must be thirsty. <laughs> yes, I, I am. Kill this right now. <laughs> I think I will. I think I will. I just love thinking about that whole scenario, man. It's it's just so perfect. Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely see myself doing something like walking up to somebody and be like. How about a beer, man? Yeah. You know? Uh, so anyway, uh, one last thing about this article that I thought was awesome was that when he actually got famous and, you know, made a bunch of money off the album and everything like that, he said, the first thing he did was, I treated myself to a Chevy Blazer. <laughs> he said, you know, it was a four-wheel drive, it was black and white. And he said, he'll never forget, my next-door neighbor, he always used to smirk at what I did. He got a new quartet. Cortina every four years and my Chevy was gorgeous I remember him going that's a big daft stupid bloody thing isn't it and I went you're jealous mate (laughs) (laughs) and he said I was dead pleased it was a big daft stupid thing but I didn't care I knew I made it (laughs) oh man what a great what a great story man I like ACDC that much more after oh man Bon Scott was a legend and I you know, I've always preferred the Bon Scott stuff, but you know, Back in Black is a legendary rock album. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 I mean, legit. What, top ten, fifteen albums uh, of all time. Yeah, it's a good in terms of sales, probably good rock. They said they sold 49, 49 million copies, I think, all time. That's a lot. That's a lot of copies of an album to sell. It's a lot of uh, Chevy Blazers. Yeah, it is. Um, anyway, Glenn. So great story. Uh, and now let's, uh, let's we'll shift gears and we'll talk about uh, Gentleman Toast this week, Lynn. Wow. This is this is going to be good, Brian. I've good, got a good feeling about this I don't toast. know if we've done... You know, last week we, we toasted the majestic bison. That's right. We toasted an animal. The bison, bison, bison. Mm-hmm. Uh, as scientists know it. Yeah. Um, and we know it as the buffalo or the bison. That's right. Uh, but this week we're going to actually toast a movie that uh, is turning 30 years old. Mm. And this is a movie that we know and love as Top Gun. Uh, <laughs> Top Gun was a seminal, uh, changing movie in 80s movies. You know what I mean? I just can't not laugh when I think about the 
the Kenny Loggins intro to the and movie. Kenny, it just, it just kills me. Just the every, the music. <laughs> yeah. And the, the motorcycles and the planes. <laughs> Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Oh, man. When I was a kid, there was no cooler song than Danger Take Zone. Take My Breath Away. Oh, yeah. Another classic. Yeah. Love the softer side. <laughs> right. You know, think of that special lady. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, Top Gun. Uh, I still remember this. I still remember the Nintendo video game for Top Gun. Yes. Which was incredibly difficult. It was really hard. I don't hard. know if you remember that. Yeah. I spent my entire youth trying to land on that carrier. The carrier is the worst part. The, <laughs> Even aiming your sights was... I, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, anyway. So, <laughs> lots of great stuff happened from Top Gun. Uh, Maverick and Goose's relationship. A tear came to my eye when, uh, when Goose... I don't want right. to give the movie away. Right. You know, because... No spoilers there be, here. There could be some... When Goose did something... Right. OMG. Where he didn't live. I... <laughs> I lost my cookies. <laughs> um, anyway. But, uh, but yeah, what a... I can't believe it's 30 years old, but, uh, you know, it, time flies. You I know feel the mean? need for speed, Brian. So many good lines from that movie. So many good scenes. It was like the epitome of the 80s action movie you know so patriotic so you know everything about the movie was just the music the everything it was just it was like the 80s in one movie i got a question for you brian was kelly mcgillis in any other movie i don't know i don't know i don't really don't know I, I i have no idea it doesn't matter the only movie that matters that she was in was top gun that's right and you know what else brian matters is the fact that when top gun is on I drop everything and watch it. Like yeah. if it's on TV, I don't care. Yeah. It's gonna stay the on. Volleyball wa- scene. Yeah. The volleyball oh scene. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the music and that, and the you know the, the whole- ridiculousness. Of yeah, that. it's like where are my jeans? I'm no play shirt. <laughs> So just weird. But. I'm on a beach in my aviators, right. and my jeans, and a super competitive volleyball match. Oh yeah, <sighs> with Val Kilmer. <laughs> I would like to see that recreated with Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. Now, currently, like I think this Val sounds Kilmer, like a Jimmy Fallon skit. Val Kilmer might be a little step slower. Why he, he might be the beach ball. Tom Cruise looks and is pretty much exactly the same as he was thirty years ago. He's like he's cryogenically frozen. I think Scientology must have some kind of like age suppressor, magic or elixir. Something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And no offense to Scientology, because no, no, uh, none we're, taken. We're big fans. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, who isn't? But yeah, uh, Val Kilmer's not looking, uh, not holding up as well as uh, as Tom Cruise obviously is. But um, maybe maybe Val Kilmer should look into Scientology. But anyway, Glenn. Okay, so uh, Top Gun, <clears throat> thirty years, amazing. Uh, what an amazing film, groundbreaking film. I don't know who we toast other than the film, I guess. Yeah. To and Kenny Loggins. To Kenny Loggins. To Kenny Loggins and Top, Top Gun. Gun. Kelly McGillis. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the um, <clears throat> hot buddy topic. And uh, <coughs> telling my uh, Brian Johnson there, that was not very good in my voice. <laughs> Uh, this week, Lynn, I, uh, I just, I just happened to find this, this little article that caught my eye, uh, and this is from The Verge, and it's called, 
Who comes up with a $700 Wi-Fi connected juicer? <laughs> I met him, and we had juice. Uh, and this is an article about a guy named Doug Evans and his quest to make everyone in the world love his juice. And um, <clears throat> Doug Evans is the founder of Juicero, and uh, he makes this nifty little juice machine. And what it does is make juice. Okay? But there's some caveats. First of all, it costs $700. Second of all, it's connected to Wi-Fi, and it won't work unless it's connected <laughs> to the internet. So unless you're connected to the internet, you can't make your juice. Uh, and if you were thinking that you could just go down to the supermarket and buy some fruit and make juice, no, 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 no. It only makes juice from the 5 to $7 packs of pre-cut fruits and vegetables that they sell. Okay? So, to put that into perspective, you could buy a juice packet or a Chipotle burrito. Right. Okay. Um, but but the, on the upside, juice is good for you, so mm-hmm. you should be buying the $700 juicer. Is it that good for you, Brian? Uh, yeah. Juice is good for you. It, it It's good at absorbing radiation, <laughs> according to Doug Evans. Uh, yeah. Doug, in, in this article, says that, you know... Science can say whatever they want about juice, right? About vegetables. Mm-hmm. They're trying to, you know, crunch numbers about, you know, they're trying to analyze proteins and, and nutrients and stuff like that. Science. They're not measuring vibrational energy that you get from juice. Of course not. Um, Which is what really people, really real people should be talking about. Right. Forget your dietary guidelines. Right. Um... Well, they did interview Mary Story, a professional, or excuse me, a professor at Duke Global Health Institute, and she coincidentally was the member of the United States 2015 Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee. So she has some, has a little bit of a you know cursory background. Duke, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so and she said, yeah, you know, juice is good for you, um, but it'd probably be better for you if you just at, actually ate the whole fruit. fruit or vegetable that you are juicing because you are not getting all of the fruit or vegetable. Just that basically, there's very little value in just the juice of it. Right. Just, right. You don't get any fiber or other stuff. All the all the good stuff about juice or all the good stuff about fruit does not exist in the juice. My favorite my favorite quote from this article is says Doug Evans is says, "Hey, I'm not in any way comparing myself to Elon Musk and Tesla, but I'm going to compare myself to uh, Tesla." <laughs> And then he went on and compared himself to Tesla. Um, the Tesla of juicers. Oh, the Tesla of juicers. And, uh, Which it is. The, to, to be fair to the guy that was doing this article, he said that he tried the juice, and he actually really liked it. He said it was really good. But the problem is that no one's going to buy a $700 juicer with proprietary stuff that you can't, like, you can't make juice out of mm. unless you buy their... It's basically like Keurig cups for juice. (laughs) K-cups for juice. Yeah. And not only that, it's a step further because the juicer won't juice it it, because it scans the label. To make sure that it's from their products. And that it hasn't expired. If it's expired, it won't make it. Right. So you can't put... Right. (laughs) It won't even let won't even let you make bad juice. So he, the, the author goes through this whole thing, and he basically determines at the end of it that the this entire product, the entire thing, was made especially for Doug Evans. Like he's Maybe only for Doug Evans. He was saying that this guy 
thinks that everybody out there has the same taste that he does. Mm. And he thinks that if he makes something that only he will like, that everybody will go buy it and like it. But I'm here to tell you that a $700 juice machine that only makes drinks out of 5 to $7 uh, packs of fruit that mm-hmm. are made by one company is not going to go over well. He might get 100 people to buy his thing. Yeah. He might get a thousand. He says this is plenty of people. There's like a a restaurant in Los Angeles that's going to buy some of them, and some companies are going to put them in their company kitchenettes and stuff. Hey, uh, I was actually reading today, uh, also uh, in the same vein as this, and and this a lot of this stuff comes down to like the Internet of Things, and yep. this is something that, I, that I've seen a lot more recently. Everything's going to be connected to the Internet. Everything's going to be connected to everything. All yep. this, there's all these benefits from it. Your thermostat can make your juice. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You, you talk to your thermostat, and then your thermostat talks to your lights, and then the lights talk to the refrigerator and asks what needs to be mm-hmm. uh, picked up from the store, and then it texts you and tells you that. Um, no, there was this article where they were talking about, I, and I, I can't remember which company it was. It was one of the drill manufacturers. I want to say it was Black & Decker or some big Bosh, name company. Or, yeah. Uh, had created a Bluetooth-enabled Wi-Fi battery. It's a Black & Decker. That uh, would... You had to download the app for your phone, but then the app would tell you how much battery life was left. Like 99% or 98%. Or maybe 96% battery was left. And, um, you know, it it could be... A, it could be as simple as a four-bar LED light that tells you like seventy-five percent or fifty percent left or whatever, but really it's a Bluetooth app-enabled yep. wireless drill thing, you know. And it, all these companies are doing this stuff where they have to connect everything to the internet. Yeah. Why are we like the juice? Why are you connecting a juice maker to the internet? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't. I, I get the lights part of it, like the home light thing because you you can control them with your phone and it has to talk to the internet to talk to the thing and everything like that yeah but why would you have to talk to your juice maker with the internet to make juice i I can't figure that one out there's i i can't either there's always gonna be people that think that that are gonna do this Mm -hmm. to take it you know to the next level right in terms of automation and you know doing less work right which requires more work Mm -hmm. but um i mean it's like to me it's like a parallel to the app problem like yeah like i've gone to um like there's plenty of services that need apps it makes total sense to make an app uh in a perfect world gentlemen won't have an app right there were five of us brian right we had two clones apiece right but we don't um but anyway um amazon needs an app you know that makes Mm -hmm. sense lots of stores need an app yep but when you go to like um i don't know i'm trying to think of i I, i'm trying to think of a recent example but you go to like a, a, a a cookie store Right. And they're like, hey, download our app. Right. Why do I need your app? I just came into your store to buy a cookie. Right. I, I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, oh, you can get specials. But, well, I have an email account. That, yeah. W- w- what point, my, my thing is, at what point are you going to open up your phone, click to the app, open up the app, the cookie and ordering look app. at cookie deals? I don't know. Anyway, I think it's the same thing that people have this idea that, oh, well, our drill bits, they got to be, uh, our, drill, have our batteries, drill you know. Drill bit app. We have to have a app for our drill bits that uh brian you need an app for your beer so yeah. it knows it's almost I, empty yeah if only i had an app to open my beer right now that would be optimal 
Not everybody needs an app. Nope. In fact, I would argue that probably most people don't. Most apps are probably built for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Just a kind of me too kind of thing. Yeah. Gotta have an app. You gotta have an app for everything that's out there in the world. And it's like, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like there's an over, there's too many apps out there. It's, there's too much. When juicers have their own apps, when <laughs> drills have their own apps, that's taking it a little bit too far. Just, there's a quote in here. Let me find it real quick here. What blows my mind, too, is that this guy, Doug Evans, uh, has a job, and his job is to create this machine that is going to fail miserably. I mean, I will, I will go buy one of these things if they're still around in 14 months. I will go buy. I will spend seven hundred dollars and go buy this thing if it's if that is still a company in fourteen months. I agree. Um, this is this is crazy. I mean, and his and the, bringing it back full circle back to Doug Evans, the Juice Man, the Juice Guy, and he's he says the, the reason Juice Tiger, the, the Juice Tiger, the reason why the Juice Tiger needs this Juicero, this ju- juice making yeah. thing, is that. <clears throat> It is now he can have. He's never been able to have juice before he goes to yoga, but now he he goes to the bathroom. He whips out his phone and he hits a button and he makes a juice and he can, you know, yank it out of the juice arrow right before he walks out the door to yoga. Now I hadn't thought about that. I mean, this is this is a real life. This is why you need the juice arrow. When I'm you know heading out the door to go to yoga. Mm-hmm. Fresh juice might actually be nice. So. You, you need some of that vibrational energy, Brian. Maybe I need to take this, take it back, take it all back, <laughs> and go buy a juicero and uh, juicero it up. I have an idea for Doug. He could, he could wait till he got done with yoga to come back and have his juice, or he could wake up five minutes earlier and make his juice. Yeah. Or, or he could just eat a piece of fruit on the way to the. Exactly. Here's a banana. Doug. internet connected juice making machine (laughs) go buy an apple from the store and eat it on the way to the gym yeah buy 700 of them you can buy a lot of apples for $700 and they don't cost (laughs) 5 to $7 a piece (laughs) (sighs) this has really got Brad's gander anyway well anyway I, so I think we're agreed. Too many apps and juice juice makers. I think the overarching thing is there's too many too many companies out there with startup money mm-hmm. that are doing these things mm-hmm. that are so stupid from a business perspective. Who's looking at this and saying this is a good investment opportunity? I gotta get on this juice juicero. It's only seven hundred dollars. It's gotta be connected to the internet and it only costs seven dollars a pack to make one drink. Five to seven. <laughs> So, at a restaurant, they'd have to... He's talking about putting this in a restaurant. At a restaurant, they'd have to charge $15 for this juice drink. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. I'd well. buy one. You know, growing up, we my parents had a juice thing. Juice, juicer? It was a juicer. And it was crazy. It was kind of awesome, actually. But it just had this spinning little grate that you, you rammed... You know, yeah. fruits and vegetables in it made, yeah. you know, all the pulp came out and you made this. Yeah. Anyway. I just remember the, um, I never had a juicer 
at home. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember the scene in Gremlins where yeah. the, the Juice Master oh. 1000 or something where they put all the oranges in there. And then yeah. eventually they use it on a Gremlin. Yeah. Which I don't think you'd even use this on a Gremlin. I think if you had Gremlins in your house, you could not use the Juicero. He'd have to, to have. He'd have to have a barcode. See, that's not going to work. You'd be sitting there trying to, and he couldn't be get, expired. Get the, get the non-expired <laughs> barcode. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Gremlins eating your neck. No, thank you. I'll stick with my Juice Tiger. Thank you. Uh, you very know, much. I don't think I've ever seen Gremlins. You've never seen Gremlins? Not all the way oh, through. Oh my gosh. Talking about Top Gun, that is an absolute I know, classic. I know. And I, I think I the th- love Gremlins. That's it came my, out. That's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I have this I have this thought. Not this thought. I have this like seared in memory of watching like part of Gremlins and being really freaked out. And my mom was upstairs making a quiche <laughs> and the smell of like So the scene that was going on was the Gremlins were like rolling into the fryer and some uh, maybe it was. I was young. Oh, it was like a, f- a swimming pool. They're going to the swimming pool. Well, no, they took over like a burger joint or something, and there was like a a fryer, and they get in the fry like they're like, like messing around, and like a couple of them fall in the fryer. Okay. Anyway, so like I'm watching these like things get fried, and then, then I'm smelling this quiche, and I had. An aversion to quiche for a long time because of that movie. <laughs> to this day, Glenn still can't eat quiche. I love quiche, <laughs> but I still think about it. Yeah. I still think about it. Mm, interesting. Before I take a bite, you should rewatch it because I don't remember a scene where they actually get fried. Maybe it was another similar movie. Well, there's two Gremlins. There's Gremlins One and Gremlins Two, and I'm not very familiar with Gremlins Two because Gremlin One's Gremlin Gremlins One is the penultimate so <laughs> there is no other no okay good to know anyway well longest hot button topic ever did we just pull that off uh maybe but uh anyway glenn that's either here nor there because it's time to talk about the questions from the gentleman mailbag okay and speaking of quiche and the gremlins that we were just talking about mm-hmm. um i was just curious you know i don't know this has nothing to do with most of the stuff that we talked about in this episode tonight yeah but what's the weirdest combination of foods that you actually really enjoy? Glad you asked this, Brian. Yeah. This is, I, this is important stuff. Inquiring minds want to know. Hard-hitting material. Well, let me take you back 13 years. To, okay. Uh, 13 years? 13 years. No, more than that. Hmm. Let me take you back to 2001. Wow. Little Glenn mm-hmm. was in high school. It was summertime, mm-hmm. and he was working at the, believe it or not, the cross country course, KU's mm-hmm. cross country course. Okay, with legendary track coach uh, Bob Timmons. Okay, <clears throat> and Timmy mm-hmm. would take us to lunch every day, and he took us to this little tiny restaurant right off the side of Highway Forty between Lawrence and Topeka. Really, it was literally like a little diner car. So. Hmm. It's called Sharon's Bill Town Cafe. It's gone now. Oh. Um, kind of depressed already. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And you had to get there and you had to order like pie before you ordered your meal. Otherwise, it'd be gone. Like the pie would sell out before you. Anyway. Okay. Cool place. Mm-hmm. So we're eating there and like they give you every every meal came with these weird sides. You mm-hmm. can have applesauce or cottage cheese or something else. Basically, all things that came out of cans. Okay. They could scoop out. Right. So Timmy says. Hey, get the applesauce 
with the cottage cheese. Mm. And I think he's crazy, but it's awesome. Cottage cheese with applesauce on top of it. It sounds disgusting. It is amazing. Hmm. I can't describe it. Wow. I'm not going to try. Hmm. I could actually see that because, uh, speaking of Topeka, my parents used to go to a diner called Bobo's, which has been around since the 50s. I've heard of that place. And uh, they have, you know, they'll get, their, their thing is their apple pie and satin freeze, which is, uh, it's, you know, ice cream. It's vanilla ice cream. Oh, okay. But it's like vanilla ice cream on top of... Uh, apple pie and yeah something about that creamy oh yeah and apple stuff you know oh, I, I love it you know some people get like american cheese on their uh on their apple pie yes true i don't so, know i don't understand that i could see that what i i i i, I could see that american cheese is good on damn near anything i mean you could take a slice of that and set it on some cotton candy and i'd be like mm, <laughs> this is pretty this is good this cotton candy is great <laughs> Um, no, I mean, the American cheese is good. God. It's good food. <laughs> I just invented a new food right there. I'm going to go to the state fair and start selling them. Hey, do you have cotton candy with a touch of American cheese on top? No? Um, Papa McKinney's cotton Papa, candy. Yeah, exactly. All right. Interesting. I have a big top hat on. <laughs> Hello, little boy. <laughs> do you like good things? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was trying to think about this question, Glenn, because I I need to come up with something because I don't have anything because I am <laughs> diabolical about making sure that all my foods are separate. Know. You know those uh, you know those paper plates that have different uh, areas for different yes. things. Yes, I'm the person those were made for. Yeah, you so don't at want some point touching. somebody said you know enough of this whole plate thing because things are touching we need different compartments for things so that nothing touches anything else and i'm that you know i'm that demographic that has to have the separate areas for stuff yeah i can't Can't mix things up i just can't do it i can't you know i was trying to think i think the the most mixed up thing that i'm really into that people don't really get Mm -hmm. is meat pies Meat pies are good. Yeah. Um, you know, some people yeah. don't get it. But when I lived in Australia, that was a thing is that you go and, you know, you get a local, you, you walk a block and you get to a little pastry stand that has meat pies and other delicacies. And meat pies are awesome. It's like a, a pastry with this weird gravy meat thing. I don't know what it is. It's like a hamburger from McDonald's. I don't care what it is. It's delicious. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. It's like a gravy meat texture kind of thing. It's like a burrito from Taco Bell. Like you don't know what's in it, and it doesn't matter. Is, is it like is it like minced meat? I don't know. Yeah, it's minced like, meat's like spicy. It's usually like an English. It's like a minced meat pie. It reminds me of just like a, a gravy and meat thing mixed together. It's like a very. It's like a creamy meat inside. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but you would, you would love it if you went to one of these stores and you went and picked it up. And the great thing is, it's like a handheld thing. You, oh yeah! You just go there, you put some a little ketchup on there, and you just chomp away wait, at it. Wait, ketchup? Wait, yeah. okay. So it, it's almost like a it's like a little pie, gravy and meat, and a little bit of ketchup on top, and just apparently Brian's got to be south of the equator before he can. I like ketchup on very specific things, <laughs> and meat pies are one of them because that it's a. You need the ketchup on there. It gives a little bit of a tart 
taste to it. Hmm. So um, meat pies. Yeah, meat pies. That's a that's one. That's a big one. I think we got the name of the episode right here. Meat pies. Meat pies. Um, <laughs> I, they don't sell them in the U.S. and no. the, the few places or you know some some places purport to sell them you know meat pies mm-hmm. they're not the same as you can get in australia wow which is i've seen them advertised a few places and, and stuff like that and i've gotten them and not the same mm. and i'm not just saying that as a snooty yeah. dumbass that well, this isn't yeah this isn't exactly the same well i imagine it can't be the same as a food cart in yeah australia, well you know? it's they're just they, they do them a particular way i wish i could buy them here but i really can't so you could make them I could try. I don't know if I could replicate that. So, tell me about this crust. Is it like an actual pie crust? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Is it sweet? Like the, the, No. Okay. It's not sweet. It's like a it's like a pastry. It's like, uh, you know, uh, like a pie pastry isn't really sweet. It's the filling that's sweet. Yeah, So, I it's guess. like, it's, yeah. it's just like a fluffy yeah. kind of thing. Flaky. Yeah. And you put like some gravy, <laughs> gravy and meat in there. I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds weird. Ketchup. Ketchup. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I know it sounds weird, but it's true. It's really damn good. It's really good. And it's I, it's like a it's almost like a little fast food thing over there. Like you you walk down the street and you're just like, yeah, that I'll get the three dollar pie and then yeah. you're just walking down the street eating a handheld little pie with meat in it. I don't know how to explain it. It's delicious. It's, it's it absolute. just sounds incredibly messy. It's, it's like not. It's not. It's self-contained. Maybe me. You just like take a. You know, it's like a. Huh. Like a Imagine like an ice cream cone. <laughs> it's like a cream-filled crumpet or something. <laughs> you know, you just take a little, take a bite of it, and then. Uh, that's fine. It's just. It's. Uh, it's hard to explain until you go do it. Okay. Sometime uh, we. Need to- <coughs> We need to go over to Australia. Yeah. And, uh, I need to... Because I brought my buddies, Ken and Brian, over there with me the last time I visited. And I was telling them about the meat pie thing, and they were totally not into it. And we went to some town, and we walked up, and I was like, I'm going to get a... I'm going to get one of these meat pies. You guys should get you one. just watch. And they're... they're co- I mean, they're totally into trying new stuff. So they're like, all right. So they, they got a couple of them. And they were like, these are awesome. <laughs> These are so good. You know, it's really hard to. Yeah, it's hard to describe. But if you go to a, you know, it's it's good stuff. I'm aching from laughing about this. So anyway, I'm, I'll try one. I, I mean, I, I love weird stuff. Four and twenty meat pie. If I could find one, four twenty. It's four, four and twenty. Oh, four. And t- it's a brand. Okay. Uh, if I could find one in the U.S., which maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe they maybe they make them. Um, <sighs> Maybe Man. Not. Ugh. I'm I'm done. Okay. Well, uh Glenn's done. I'm done. Uh oh, Brian found a picture of him. Yeah. Four dash in or four apostrophe in four and twenty. Nineteen forty seven, wow. Nineteen forty seven. Long time. Um It's almost like a like a runza kind of thing. Yeah. Almost. Okay, that makes more sense. And a little pie crust, handheld okay. pie crust. Okay. <laughs> anyway, speaking of meat pies, that was uh, <laughs> that was episode eighty nine, Glenn. That was episode eighty nine. Um, it's got gravy middle in this episode on a pie crust. <sighs> gravy on the meat. outside. Um, <laughs> look for episode ninety. So we're crusty on the outside. Big, uh, big nine zero. Yeah. Up. Yeah. 
Um, milestone. Yeah, big milestone. Anyway, um, thank you for everybody out there that's uh, posted stuff to thegentleman.com so we could talk about it this week. Thanks for everybody that's uh, listened to the podcast and keeps listening to it. We really appreciate it. Uh, I am Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Stansberry. We'll see you guys in two weeks and go find a meat pie and enjoy it. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>